everyone. Welcome to Horror Haven Podcast. I'm Dylan. I'm Erica. What's up? I'm Steve. I'm Sarah. You're not in the episode, Sarah. Shut up! <laughs> you don't get to be a part of this. Uh, today we have our good friend Chris Hallford on. What's up, Chris? Oh, not much. How are you doing? Not bad. We're going to talk some Freddy Krueger and Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, Freddy's Revenge. So, enjoy. Someone is coming back to Elm Street. He is not friendly. He is not patient. Kill for me. And he is not a welcome visitor. No! 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 But he has something terribly special for the new kid on the block. It started to happen again. Dad! I'm in trouble. You've had some scary dreams, okay? Help! Daddy can't help you now. There's something inside of you. Fight him! You are not afraid of him. He doesn't even exist. Freddy Krueger is back on Elm Street. Get out of here, Lisa! Jesse, fight him! Watch out for him. He'll be in your neighborhood soon. A Nightmare on Elm Street, Part 2. You my children now. Freddy's Revenge. <laughs> Alright, A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge, was written by David Chaskin and directed by Jack Shalder. It starred Robert England as Freddy, Mark Patton as Jesse Walsh, Kim Myers as Lisa, Robert Rustler as Grady, and Marshall Bell as Coach Schneider. Wait, who the fuck is Robert England? I'm just fucking with you. Just, <laughs> if you could have just seen the look on Dylan's face, he was like, what the fuck? I was like, wait, are you fucking serious? <laughs> You're done. Not allowed on the show anymore. Go the fuck on. Uh, the movie follows Jesse, who is a high schooler who moves into a house that he learns was inhabited by Nancy from the first Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, he begins seeing Freddy in his dreams, who starts to possess his body and make Jesse kill for him. Kill for me, Jesse! <laughs> <laughs> that was a really good, good, good synopsis. Yeah, oh, no, I, I was, thought you were talking about Steven's, uh... Well, Steven's here. Steven's is on point. <laughs> Steven's like, the best compliment I've ever gotten. I can be nice sometimes. I'm not a monster. So, yeah, initial thoughts on this movie? Not uh, as good as the first one. Not as good as the first one. The first one's one of my favorites. <laughs> first actually, one's great. I didn't even remember it, so I watched it this morning. I have kind of a comparison. I haven't seen it in years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the first one's pretty terrifying, to be honest, and that's that's what makes it so good. But, I don't know, for some reason, this one is like my guilty pleasure. I really <laughs> enjoyed this one a lot. I haven't watched, like, I haven't watched this series since high school. Like, it's been, like, fucking, like, yeah. eight or nine years since I've watched the entire, like, the entire series. So, I always remember the second one being my least favorite, and going back on the series now... I actually really enjoyed the second one. Uh, definitely a lot more than, like, say, number five and number six. Yeah. But oh, those are for, those are for another day. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, no, I, I remember disliking this movie. And, uh, I mean, we'll, we'll get into the plot a little bit more. But 
the funny thing about this is it's pretty much infamous now for having like homoerotic undertones that were written in by David Chaskin. And I remember watching it when I was in high school and I didn't even fucking realize it. And I, I used to love this franchise. I'd watch it fucking like once a week and I didn't catch on until later on. And once I heard that, it's kind of like ruined childhood yep, for me. Yeah. Yep. Because <laughs> it makes you look at the movie in a completely different way. And going back and watching it now, I mean, I was watching it and I was kind of picking it apart. I was like, okay, I can definitely see where that yep. shit comes into play. But at the same time, I could see where I wouldn't have caught on to it when I was younger just for the reason that I was looking at it at face value rather yeah. than looking deeper into it. But it, I definitely enjoyed it a lot more than I remember liking the movie. Kind of on the same page with you. I, it was definitely, um, I, I've seen it before. I've seen all of them, actually. This is probably one of the few franchises that we've covered where I've actually seen them all. And it's not, like, a first-time view for me. And uh, I'm I'm a huge fan of the first one. I loved it so much. Um, and and this one definitely wasn't, wasn't one that I, I enjoyed. Obviously, it was... Like you said, like Dylan said, it's it's nowhere near like some of the 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 ones to come. Um, it's still not one of my favorites, uh, but it's it's still definitely a solid movie, and and I do I do like it for that. And uh, I I never picked up on any of that shit. Yeah, like even going back now, it was like one of those things that I'm sure I still missed a lot of it too because it's not something that you're looking for. It's like you're you're watching a horror movie. That's probably the least fucking thing you should be looking for, unless you're Dylan Jarvis and you're trying to find it. You're like, yo, where them dick jokes at? It's funny because like I, I saw this like at a younger age. I rented it on VHS with a bunch of others, and uh, you know it, it totally goes right over your head. But I think now since like I knew about like. Uh, the homoerotic, like, undertones in it. It's so blatantly in my face now watching it, and it's just so comedic, like, how obvious it was. But I guess, like, when you're younger, you just don't think about it, but now you just can't help but notice it. And it was funny, because I was watching it again uh, this week, because I haven't seen it in a while, and my mom walks in, looks at the one scene, and she was like, oh, this is the gay one, right? Just (laughs) right off the bat. I was like, yeah, no, this is that one. Well, it's funny, because... Like I said, like, I never caught up on, like, the... I never caught on to, like, the homoerotic aspects of it, but I remember watching it in high school and, like, the whole subplot with the gym teacher where, like, he goes to the S&M club and then the gym teacher gets, like, fucking whipped to death with the towel and shit. I remember watching that and I was like, this seems kind of out of... This seems out of place here, but, uh, you know, I'll let it slide. It's it's a movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely an eyebrow razor. Especially during that scene. There's some, uh, there's some, like, bits and pieces, too. I mean, I I don't know if you guys have seen Never Sleep Again, the documentary that Oh, that's out. such a good documentary. But when they're talking about this movie, they're like, there's certain clips when they talk about, like, this whole, like, subplot. Mm-hmm. And there's, like, certain clips that it shows, like, for example, when Jesse goes to Grady's house, and Grady's like, there's a hot girl who wants to sleep with you, and you want to sleep with me? And it's like... <laughs> it's like shit like that that can be taken two different ways yeah but you don't catch on to it when you're younger obviously but so yeah you guys want to jump into ratings (laughs) right no um so i guess to add on to a little bit of that i was gonna like save that for later on but since we're on the topic 
Um, I feel like that's a big topic here, yeah. Dylan. Like, <laughs> well, it's 90% of the movie. <laughs> so, David Chaskin, for anybody who, who uh, is listening that's not really sure, we kind of just jumped right into it. Uh, basically, the movie was written to intentionally have gay subtext to it. Uh, the writer, David Chaskin, is a gay writer. You know what subtext backwards is, right? No. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what it is. Now. Um, the the writer David Chaskin is a. Uh, I'm, fuck you, because I'm just sitting here trying to think of what it is. Backwards. <laughs> the writer David Chaskin. He's a, he's a openly gay writer, and uh, Mark Patton is a a gay actor. Uh, basically, David Chaskin wrote this film to have a whole uh, subplot or like undertones of homosexuality. Um, are you still trying to figure yes. this out? It's nothing backwards, but if you mix the letters <laughs> up, it's butt sex. But go on. It is butt sex. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I'm saying butt um like seventy fucking times. <laughs> you got me thrown away. Off. I'm sorry. So, uh, the 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 theme was supposed to show through. Uh, Freddie was the gay side of Jesse that's trying to, you know, come out. And um, you see it through anytime Jesse's with Lisa and, like, they start getting intimate, like, the Freddie side of him comes out. It's definitely, like I said, it's something that if you watch it now, you can absolutely you can see, see it. Yeah, yeah but. Uh, so it was written into the plot, and David Chaskin had said. Uh, upon the film's release that it wasn't intentional that it was written in. Uh, Jack Shoulder, who did the directing, he had no idea. Um, he, he fucking denied it so bad. They, they all did. They all denied it. But <laughs> la- later on, uh, like as the years went on, David Chaskin's like, yeah, I did that shit on purpose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but basically, New Line Cinema released the first Nightmare on Elm Street film. And that's basically the film that stopped the company from going under. But they had made enough money on that film to basically break even. So the entire future of this company was relying on the success of Nightmare on Elm Street 2. So this film went on to almost double the amount that the first one had made. But they were rushing the production to put it out a year after the first one. Basically to milk off the success of the first one. Yeah. Uh, because they had rushed it so much, they went through a lot of changes with the cast and the crew. Uh, Robert England, at one point, almost wasn't playing Freddy. He had demanded a higher pay raise, and New Line was basically like, no, we're not going to match that. Uh, They started using somebody else to play Freddy. They realized it was a mistake. They went back and got Robert England, which, excellent fucking choice, because through the remake we've seen how that could go south. Exactly. Um, and you know what? Real quick to add to the whole like replacement of Robert England almost, there is a scene where like it's the shower scene where uh Jesse turns into Freddy to kill uh Coach Schneider. Mm-hmm. And that that the Freddy that appears there is not Robert England that's walking. It's the stuntman. And one of their biggest complaints was how goofy he walked, and if you pay attention, it is the most awkward walk ever. Fuck, I'm gonna have to go back and watch yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I, it kind of like caught my eye because I'm like, why does this fucking Freddy Krueger look so awkward? And then like focusing, they they talked, they accidentally accidentally left that in the in the movie when they were shooting that scene because I guess it was before they got Robert England. 
the the whole the whole crew changed. Um, they rushed the production on it, and it was to the point where the cast and the crew were questioning a lot of the choices that were being made. But it was basically like we don't have time to like change any of this or second guess any of this, so they just went with, went it, with they... it. One of the main ones uh, jumping ahead in the plot a little bit was the pool party scene and how Freddy basically just like massacred a bunch of the people at the pool party. Are you playing golf? No, you're playing golf. I am playing golf. <laughs> uh, the whole, the whole, uh, the whole scene. Even Robert England was basically like, this is going against everything that Wes Craven had created in making it that Freddy could only kill in the dreams. And that was really the biggest complaint of the movie, was that Freddy is supposed to only be able to kill you kill in your dreams. dreams. And yeah, can... no, that... Oh, I was saying, yeah, that kind of threw me off on it. Was that scene where he kind of went berserker <laughs> on the whole crowd. Well, it was the whole movie, too, and what I've said about this franchise that I've always found interesting is the fact that Freddy can kill you in your dreams, because it really leaves it to where you're not safe anywhere. No. Because the human body needs you sleep. You have to sleep. You have exactly. to sleep. There's no way around it, and you could be anywhere in the fucking world, and he can find you in your dreams and kill you. So the fact that they made it that he was this tangible thing that was, like, in a universe or in the real world able to kill, it kind of took away from the the scares a little bit. Yeah, and what was up with, uh, during the pool scene, since we're briefly on the subject, <laughs> the, one, the one guy was like, hey, man, just take it easy. Everything's going to be okay, right? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, bro, what are you doing? <laughs> just be cool. Everything's going to be fine. No one's going to hurt you. I'm like... Oh my god! I love that shit too. He's like, nobody's gonna hurt you after he just fucking massacred everybody, everybody. at that party. <laughs> yeah. <coughs> There's now, no talking sense into a burnt demon guy. Exactly. exactly. It, it it kind of fucking throws me off a lot with this movie too because through the first half of this movie, I could probably honestly say that this was the scariest incarnation of freddy that we've had the way um kevin yeager he replaced david b miller as the makeup effects artist for this movie uh david miller did the first movie and the way kevin yeager created freddy krueger for this movie was fucking terrifying and you know they added the yellow and red contacts and they made him look more like a burn victim uh, one thing that Jaeger had tried to do was put a lot of emphasis on, like, the cheekbones showing through the skin because, you know, a burn victim, you're going to have your fucking skin melted off. Yeah. So, and just the whole, like, any scene that Freddy was in was fucking terrifying. And the whole, you got the brain, or you got the body and I got the yeah. brains, that whole shit. I, yeah, I wanted to bring that up. That, that's my, my fear. Actually, I started drawing that. When you told me that we were going to be 30 to 40 minutes late. Oh, really? Like, well, shit. I'm going to start doing a Freddy drawing while I'm waiting. That was my fault. (laughs) That's my favorite, favorite, favorite scene. But the anatomy, there's no skull. Yeah. That's the only thing that bugged me about that is there's no skull. He just kills back his skin and has a brain there. (laughs) I think it just goes with Freddy, though, just... Yeah, I think it just yeah, goes with yeah. Freddy just fucking with them. Send me that picture. Like, if you fucking finish that up, I want to see that. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, once I'm finished, it, I barely got into it. I got to, like, kind of doing the the reference outlines and stuff like that. 
Yeah, definitely send me that because yeah, I want to see that shit. Yeah. But um, like the, up until like probably the whole pool party scene, I would say that this was the scariest version of Freddy that we've seen, in my opinion. Uh, his lines were terrifying. The, his delivery was terrifying. The way that like uh, throughout the whole movie, you have this like shadow on his face, and it just shows like his eyes and the yep. fucking yellow and red. Hell yeah! It was terrifying. And then you get the party scene where. He goes after Lisa, and he's like, I'm Jesse now! Like, I was like, alright, this fucking... Everything is out the <laughs> window. window. Yeah. No, so, definitely, he was way scary in the first half. Yeah. This is... Oh, oh sorry, Stephen, go on. Oh. No, no, you're... That was it. That was Chris. Oh, sorry, Chris, you go. Oh, yeah, that was me. Um, why didn't he kill her there? I don't Power know. Power of love. And, and, like, when they're... Power of love... <laughs> I, I, I think that's what it was like, supposed like to be. Like he goes from like doing his power move and then just jumps out of the window and then I, starts chasing all the kids around the pool party and disappears as he jumps out the window, like, completely yeah, fucking vanishes. Yeah, vanish. yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think it was supposed to be this whole like, oh, part of Jesse is still hanging in there. Yeah, but it right. It, it was things like that, and you can definitely see towards the second half of this movie where it was rushed, and there wasn't a lot of thought or care that was put into it. That's not to say that it took away from it too much, but it definitely had an impact on the film. So, kind of going off what, what Dylan was saying about this um, this version of Freddy, it, it definitely, to me, was a, a much scarier version of Freddy. And I think that I would have liked to see, as much as I, I loved the first one, and I gave it such... I gave it a very high rating, but I would have, I would love to see this version of Freddy in that movie. Like, I mm-hmm. think it would have made it so much more scarier. Um, the thing that I like, really the thing that I love about this movie is I feel had they not gone the route that they went with this movie and they stuck with the way that it originally was with him only being able to kill you in your dreams, we would have had a exact repeat of the first movie. I don't think it would have been an effective sequel. I think it would have very much just been an extension of the first movie, which I understand that a lot of sequels are that. You know what I mean? But I don't think this would have done it any justice. I don't think it would have been a positive way of doing it. Um, I think that adding that that element also is is a scary concept because here you have... He's very multidimensional at this point. He not only can kill you in your sleep, but now there's there's this physical aspect to it where he's out in the open. And I think that really adds to him. It adds to his character, and it adds to, to that fear that's behind it. Because, you know, now there's nowhere to be safe. Like, obviously, as Dylan was saying before, there's no... He kills you in your sleep, so there's nowhere to be safe, because as humans, we have to sleep. And, you know, that's what we saw a lot of in the remake, is the different ways that they went about trying to stay awake. Mm-hmm. Um, which is one of the things that I really love about the remake. I know it wasn't the greatest remake. I know, we're not big fans of remakes here in general. Um, but I thought that that was such a cool concept is that they showed all the different ways that these kids were trying to keep themselves awake. And, and you don't really, you, you see it a little bit in, in the original, but not to the extent like they're, they're like popping the Adderall and shit like they're fucking Pez <laughs> trying to stay awake. So, um, and we've all been there. No kidding. Um, <laughs> If you've ever been in college, I'm just kidding. So anyway, back to where I'm going with this. So, um, in in this one, you you now have this situation where yes, very much so. If you go to sleep, that's it. But 
now he's out in the open in the day too. And it's like, there's literally nowhere that you're safe. And I think that that's what makes this stand out. Do I think it is anywhere near as, as a masterpiece as the first one was? No. And I say masterpiece because I love Freddy. <laughs> um, yeah. But it was definitely a solid, in my opinion, it's a, it's a very solid, solid follow-up. Is it my favorite in the Freddy franchise? No. It, however, is nowhere near as shit as some of the other ones. It had guts because it tried something different. It did. And I give them credit for that because they, like you said, like Dylan said, their entire... Their entire company was was basically being held up by whatever slim chances they had with this movie being successful, and they were rushing it. And I'm sure a lot of that had to do with needing to pay off debts to stay afloat. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're really pushing the limits. They're, they probably cut out a lot of stuff that would have made this movie a, a fucking complete 10. Um, and I'm sure that's just due to budgeting issues. And, you know, the fact that they, they were willing to compromise to bring Robert England back is, is awesome because I don't think it would be nearly what it is now if it wasn't, nor would I, nor would the franchise be what it is if it wasn't for that. Um, so they definitely stepped up their game there. There are definitely parts where you can tell it was just a budgeting issue. I mean, they fucking rushed it, but I give them credit with their fucking makeup. They did not cut corners with that shit. It was solid. Yeah. And I'll get I off my soapbox now. You. Take it away. Yeah, Although I do agree with you in some points, the only thing I'm going to have to disagree about with bringing him out of uh, the dream world is that Freddy is actually like more vulnerable and that and can be like hurt that way. So I think in that aspect, if we're sticking with like the canon side of uh, Freddy's story, it makes it just a little bit less scarier. Maybe if they would have shown him alternating back and forth between the dream and the real world a little more, it would have had more of an effect. But because we already know the rules set up for Freddy, it just took it. It took away a little bit, like because now you know, like he could be like hurt easily. I don't know though because world. I mean, there's the whole part where Lisa the, tries the to stab one, him in the heart. The first one, he came out of the. No, oh, yeah, yeah. Can, can, oh, okay. I was saying, yeah, the first one at the end, he comes out of the dream world. Yeah, or I think yeah. he did. Well, that's because Nancy brought him. That was her only way to stop him. Because remember, she booby trapped the whole house because mm-hmm. uh, she had to physically bring him out. So that shows. Freddy's but does that maybe allow him to do that? Maybe. Mm, yeah, that's a, that's actually a good point. Like I said, maybe and if it, it did that, back and forth. But going off on. what what he just said, uh, if that if that allowed him to then be present in in both the the physical and the dream world. Does that then take away that weakness that he had of, of you know, that being his weakness being drawn out into the real world? Would that eliminate that? There was no explanation for it, so we really don't know. I mean, it could have been that. Well, they couldn't hurt him in the first one. He got hurt every time all the booby traps and shit. Yeah. Yeah. The hammer and the shotgun light bulb and all that. Like, all that stuff kind of phased him on the second one. Nothing, the knife. That was yeah. like, she was... She Lisa tried to stab him in the heart, and it yeah. did absolutely nothing. And I, I, I think that's where you kind of see this like rushed, uh, Russian production is aspects like that, where it doesn't really explain anything. It doesn't explain why she can't stab him with the knife. It's just kind of implied. I don't think that that takes away from anything, though. Though I mean, like it's us, like obviously, like we're, we're digging it into apart, it yeah. and we're picking it apart. So it, it's obviously something that somebody other than us, I'm sure, has thought about, and it's a valid question. I totally think it is a very valid question, and it's awesome that, you know, we we thought about that to to even bring it up, but I don't think it's something that 
takes away or gives to the movie enough for it to be, like, we need to answer that. You know what I mean? You know how, like, you see some things in a movie that are, like, plot holes and you're like, the fact that you didn't explain that makes this entire thing fucking invalid and shit. You know, I don't think that it does that, but it's still a valid question. It doesn't take yeah, away I don't from think the movie, it makes it completely question, invalid. But. I think I was just like picking apart because of the rules of Freddy as a plot. No, I, I, I'm really glad yeah. that you brought it up because it made for really good discussion. So good on Absolutely. you for that one. Yeah, yeah. But no, but yeah, it doesn't take away from the movie completely. Not by any means. It doesn't take I, away from the movie, but I can understand after seeing this. I like I said, I I do appreciate what they did. They tried something new, mm-hmm. and they kind they got a lot of backlash for it. And they went back to the roots, but... Not too much backlash, because they didn't go under. <laughs> well, not too much... Right. They made their money back. Yeah. But, I mean, there were people that weren't into this movie. Oh, yeah. And I think that's why they went... But if... Say you went from this movie straight into Dream Warriors Part 3. It, it would... To me, this movie doesn't fit in that timeline at all. But if I skipped this movie and went to part three, it just wouldn't feel right. Exactly. It's, it's, really, it's really weird. It's, it's like a, a transition movie. It yeah. is a, it's a very well done transition movie. And I think that the best way for me to describe it is it is a very good foundation for a franchise. Mm-hmm. Like you have the original movie, which could have been a solo movie and you could have not gone on to make any sequels to it and it would be a solid fucking movie altogether. Then they well, decided very different too. I feel like they're different movies. Yes, and they could both very well be very decent standalone movies without having to be all together. But I think that as far as for a franchise and what their their ambitions and their dreams were to go forward with it and making other movies, I think that it really set the stage well for them to be able to do that. I think it opened a lot of doors. Do they get sketchier the more deeper you go into these sequels? Absolutely. Um but I think it was a good start. I think this was a, this was a good good sequel to start building an empire on. To me, this movie is Tumblr fan fiction before Tumblr was a thing. <laughs> oh yeah, I can see that. Oh <laughs> man, that's good. Well, I, I, I find I find this one is I find this one a lot goofier than the first one. Oh yeah, yeah it definitely one, had a lot more of this, those comical undertones. My, my kids always watch and like. Like, this is the movie why my kids know Freddy Krueger. Mm-hmm. And I watched the first one today because I was like, oh, shit, I need a reference point. Like, I don't, I haven't seen the, I haven't seen the most recent ones. And I haven't really, this is the only one I've really seen in the past few years. Mm-hmm. I watched it a few times. I went and got the first one this morning. And I found the first one is much, much darker. Oh, yeah. In my opinion, at least. Like, the Nightmare on Elm Street 2, to me, was very... Kind of silly. It was... Well, Freddy... And the, the... My four-year-olds like it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it's fu- it, it, it is funny, but... It, it's not as quirky as the, the later ones. Oh, yeah, but yeah, I... This... this is before Freddy really started getting his, like, one-liners. And exactly. Shit. Yeah, and it, yeah. It, the, he's always had, like, a kind of like a comical sense to him. I mean, even in the in the first movie, he's got like these kind of like darker comedy undertones to him. But you definitely see it progress in the second. And then even more so going forward. And he he is like like Steven said, he has those one-liners and he's got this quirkiness about him. And it's he's he's like a he's very sharp about the wording. 
And he's a smartass. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that that's yeah. one of the things that's very appealing to me about Freddy is that, like, he is a smartass. Like, he's supposed to be scary, and he is. I mean, the the idea, like, the thing that I love the most about, about um, The Nightmare on Elm Street is the whole dream thing. I am a huge person about reading dreams and their meanings, and, like, that shit's really interesting to me. And the fact that here you have this, this killer who can... Um, who can kill you in your fucking dreams. That's scary shit. I mean, like Dylan said, and like I said, and we've touched on several times tonight, there's really no escaping going to sleep. At some point, you have to. And if this thing is after you, that's it. Like, you're... that You're getting... You're gonna get God. That's all there is to it. And, yeah, um... In a way, see, he's the ultimate killer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and he... That's, that's a very... It's very serious like that, but... At the same time, like, he's this apex predator, but at the same time, he's, like, a total fucking smartass, and he's, like, you know, he's fucking with you on top of it. So, like, you know you're gonna get killed, but he's teasing you the whole way along. I mean, it just adds insult to injury, but... I think the, uh, I think these, the first two films had their moments where they were kind of quirky, and you were like, alright, like, alright, it's supposed to, you could see that it's supposed to be scary, but you have these, these laughable moments... I think the the part that really made Freddy a one-liner killer is "Welcome to Primetime, Bitch" from the from part three. <laughs> yep, I feel like absolutely. I feel like after that part, they're like, "We struck gold. This is what we this need is to what do. we're doing. <laughs> yeah. This is where we are taking this franchise." But it, it's kind of sad because the the first one genuinely scared me when I was younger, and even now, like it has those creepy parts to it, Funny. and. Fuck you, Sierra. And then the second one, like, the first half of it, you, like I said, you get this, the, to me, in my opinion, the scariest version of Freddy that we've seen, and then the second half, it just completely loses it with the quirky, weird shit. But you still get those scary moments. Like, when he, uh, when Freddy is coming out of Jesse, I guess... No, not coming God out of his damn cage. it, Sierra. No Mr. Brightside references. Play your game. <laughs> uh, when when Freddy's coming out of Jesse, and it's at, at Grady's house at the end of the movie, and you see the eyeball in the back of his throat. Oh, yeah. Like, it's oh, it's yeah. fucking Dude, creepy it's so moments good. like that. It's yeah. shit. But Can we just talk about the makeup effects right there? Oh, yeah, that's some top-notch uh, shit. They made a dummy. I, I think if I remember right, it's been a while since I watched like the making of it, but they made... A dummy version of Mark Patton, and the only person that could fit behind the wall of it was one of the director, or not director, one of the crew members' girlfriends. So they had her, like, behind the scenes. So it was her eyeball. It was the only time in the franchise that Freddy was portrayed as a female. Or not portrayed as a, but by a female. Um, yeah, it just had such an effect, though. When he comes, slices right out of Jesse's body... Like, just how they shot that, uh, that's just some grade-A special effects right there. Yeah, and it, this movie did have great effects. I had mentioned before, we had talked about the whole, you got the body, I have the brains part. There yeah. was some, there was some like, weird moments to it, too. One of the parts that's always stood out to me, like I said, I haven't watched this movie in probably, like, eight or nine years, but one of the parts that I remember so vividly in my head is the fucking dogs outside of the boiler room. The baby dogs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, you know, that was actually Coach Schneider. That. Yeah, it, that was Coach Schneider and Grady's face supposed to be on the dogs. It's just it, they're fucking. Really, they look like babies. Yeah, I thought yeah, they they're were fucking babies. creepy. I thought they were babies, but it stood out to me so much. Dog. It has this like fucking 
weird like Clive Barker. Yeah, I was just gonna say. Yeah, 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 totally. Exactly like Hellraiser. Yeah, and it's totally out of left field as far as this franchise goes, and you don't really see anything along those lines again. But maybe that's why it stood out to me so much. But I remember that part so vividly. But the the special oh, that, effects, that scene and the brain scene are my those are my favorites. Yeah, it, it has those moments that are really great. Um, I want to talk about characters too because oh I yeah, thought, I thought the acting was fucking great. Mark Patton is the best scream queen. <laughs> yeah, <ever. laughs> I, I seriously love him. I do. Like, I really want to meet him because like he he just seemed fucking great. Yeah. I, I love the whole dance scene. Is I'm just not without giving away my rating too much. That Take dance that, scene, man. that dance scene gets five points already for me. <laughs> the the dance scene they had gone. So Mark Patton didn't want to film the scene, and it was said that he improvised the entire dance scene. He had done an interview later on, and he said that he did not improvise anything. That there was not one moment of that film that was not in the script. He said it broke down. To the point where it said, Jesse bumps his ass on the dresser drawer to close it, and then master, <laughs> fake masturbates on the bed with a baseball bat. He's like, it broke it down into that much <laughs> that detail. detail. <laughs> so, it, it, it definitely, right there though, is one of the fucking quirky moments of this movie. But it's so fucking great for so many reasons. <laughs> very, very 80s movie. Very... Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. But like, like is... a very eighties movie. Whoa! Drinking scene. beers. <laughs> I'm not drinking beers. I'm just kicking beer bottles that are in my studio. <laughs> That's a good place to have beer bottles around. Well, the, oh, the have, mo- that whole part was. I have a few was... of them out here. <laughs> <laughs> that whole part was meant to mimic the whole like ris- risky business dance scene. Yeah. Uh, oh, so, okay. Yeah, it was very eighties, but. Hold me, touch me. (laughs) Uh, Mark Patton, though, did fucking great. This is the only Nightmare on Elm Street film in the franchise that had a male lead. And it's really one of the only ones that I could think of off the top of my head right now, like slasher movie in general that has a male lead. And, I mean, apart from the fact that Mark Patton sees himself as a scream queen because of the gay undertones and he screams like a girl. Oh, yeah, he does. (laughs) But... all of that aside, he does fucking great in the acting. He does the part very well, and you can genuinely see the fear that he has for Freddy. And you, you know, you see it throughout the film too when he's going through his like lack of sleep, where he has the fucking bags under his eyes and shit. And he, like, it's it's all so fucking well done. So yeah, he did fucking great. Grady is probably my favorite fucking character in this movie. <laughs> I, 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 hate, I hate Grady at the beginning of it, but he ends up, he kind of ends up all right. I, I so love, you mounting her daily or what? Yeah, I love the fucking <laughs> scene where they're in the cafeteria, and he's like, yo, you guys want, you want to go see a movie sometimes? So he's, like, he's like, got a fucking mouthful of food the whole time. And then Jesse ends up yelling at him, and I forget what he says, but he's like, fine, I'll leave, and he, like, puts his hand on his shoulders, like, see you later, buddy. <laughs> I think, not, uh, like, like, we've all been saying, like, the, they there's so many, like, little quirky things to it that make it enjoyable, like, it's, It makes you love the characters, though. It does, oh, absolutely, yeah. and it's like, it gives them development without actually having character development, if that makes sense, yeah. because, like, you, it's... 
it's bringing them kind of, it's giving you, like, an emotional attachment to them. So, like, you're, you're, like, I, you're, you're kind of, like, justifying, like, why you like them in your head. Even though they, I don't think they were deeply developed characters per se. I, I think that there could have been, could have been more there. But I think that because they're so quirky and they're so, like, almost, like, lovable, that we instinctively are like, yo, these are awesome characters. Yeah. Like, you just, you or automatically just, like them and you're like, hell yeah, these guys are awesome. And it's just because it, they're relatable. Like, yeah. that's the best way to describe it. They're relatable. Which I think is a really cool thing because it, it they didn't have to go into all of that fucking shit to make these characters like these fucking deep, meaningful characters, but they still made them meaningful in the way that they, the way that they relate to the viewers. Mm. Uh, I just kind of yeah, well, had to like break that they're, down. They're very, it made more they're very average. Very yeah. like, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Very, I gotta say though, uh, uh, Jesse's dad, seriously, hands down my favorite character in this whole movie. The way he's just the whole, the whole time. Jesse, Jesse, the whole time, and blaming everything. What is it? Bad bird seed you're giving him, or this or that? Like he yeah. had every excuse in the book. You and put a looking... cherry bomb in that bird. Yeah, I know <laughs> what, it is. what was it? Cherry bomb? Rockets? Firecrackers? I was like, dude, this fucking dad. You need a methadone clinic. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he said, what is it? PCP, where are you getting it, son? Like, I, I, hate just, I fucking hate love him. the dad. Because Clue Gulliger, uh, or pronounce that right, Clue Gulliger, I think? Yeah, he was also in Return of the Living Dead, so I, I absolutely oh, was he? love that. Yeah, yeah, he was a. Uh, he was actually the the boss of like the science lab or whatever it was. Yeah, he was the boss, and I praise that movie so much. So just to see him also in this movie, and almost the kind of same annoyed tone, just made it for me. Like I could seriously watch a montage of Jesse's dad and be <laughs> completely happy. I I love the beginning uh, where the first scene in the movie where it shows his family where his sister is like. Mom, why can't Jesse wake up like normal people? <laughs> just hear the scream from downstairs. <laughs> no, but it does. The characters, it, it, it gives you a connection to all of the characters. And yeah. it makes you, I mean, when Grady died, I was fucking upset. I was like, yo, I love this guy. Yeah, why do yeah. you do that? Yeah. But, no, they did it. Everybody in this movie did a fucking stellar job as far as acting goes. I think as far as sequels go, I, it's it's a yeah. it's a good sequel. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. it's... It's different, and I know that it obviously rubbed people the wrong way, but I I don't see anything wrong with this as a sequel, to be honest. No, um, as far as Jesse, Brad Pitt, John Stamos, and Christian Slater all tried out for the role of Jesse. Oh, I would love to see Christian Slater. I was just going to say that. I love him. I love Christian Slater, too. Um, Christian Michael J. Fox actually was con- being considered for the role but it actually conflicted with or conflicted it conflicted with his schedule with back, back to, the, to future the future and teen wolf yep i was trying to remember the other one so he was he just dropped for it which i could i could see out of all of those people i could see michael j fox playing the character but i, I think love i think they went the Thanks, right sir. route with uh with getting mark Patton. Absolutely, and he he really just made this film. Kim Myers, uh, who played Lisa, it's been said that she was only chosen because, and I didn't think I didn't see this until I had read this fact. 
She was supposedly chosen for the role because of her resemblance to Meryl Streep. And looking back at her now, like, watching the movie, I'm like, fuck, she looks yeah, exactly like Meryl Streep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she does. But. I don't, I don't have too much more to say about this movie. I'm pretty good. The only thing I wish they would have included, and this was due to just, like, timing, uh, when, uh, what's her name? Lisa goes into, um, the factory and we see the dogs. There's also supposed to be, like, a mutant rat and a cat in it. And I saw, like, some still images, and I'm like, fuck, I kind of wish they used that. And also, you remember the exploding bird scene? They were going to actually use, like, a giant, like, mutant demonic bird. I really would have liked to see that. Yeah, that whole scene I, I read was supposed to pay homage to the like, birds. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I was saying, I kind of like the bird just being simply a little pet bird. Yeah. Uh, not being too, uh, I don't know, it makes it a little more real. I, I see where like you're coming from. Where, like, uh, sometimes you don't know when it's a dream, when it isn't. Well, on top, I, of, that I, I too, on top of that, too, Jesse's parents were, were questioning him throughout the whole movie, with reason, but I feel like if they would have made it into a giant demonic bird, his parents would have believed him, and it would have helped his case a little bit, where I like that this movie, he was kind of seen as crazy throughout the whole thing by everybody. Yeah, no, nah, you're actually right, because then when we got that right. awesome scene, what are you getting it, son? Yeah. What is it? PCP? Meth? <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love that scene. Uh, I, I do want to say, too, as far as the ending of this movie, I know that you had said you would use the word rushed, Steven, and I, I can see it, too. The whole, I guess, fight at the end between Lisa and Freddie, it feels so anticlimactic to me. Yeah. yeah. It was very, like, they built it up so much throughout this whole movie, and I feel like he was just defeated way too easily. Yep. I agree. But let's get into ratings. But he's a child killer. So he's he is a child a, killer. A he's a coward. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, do you want to go first for ratings? Um, rating. Okay, I'll, I'll try. Um, <laughs> I would say 6.5. Just because I really hate the 80s movies, but I love Freddy <laughs> I lo- I love Freddy Krueger. Yeah. I don't really like it for, and yeah, I'd go with six point five. What's your favorite Just, decade? My favorite decade, um, fuck, um, I like, I really like old black and white horror. You know, Nosferatu, Frankenstein, the old Boris Karloff films, um. Yeah. I don't know. I just don't like eighties. <laughs> I feel like the eighties. I feel like the eighties, and we've had this conversation before. Sierra I, fucking loathes the eighties. I feel like, like, I feel like 80s films they bank off tits and fucking just like. I feel like I look at them more as comedies. Yeah, honestly. they're like yeah. Well, honestly, that's how I feel. This film is. I, I enjoy this film. I'll watch this film. This is the one that makes my kids like Freddy Krueger. Yeah. Like, I, I like the movie. I love Freddy Krueger. But as far as, like, basing this off, like, a, a Stanley Kubrick, The Shining or something, yeah, I'd have to probably give it, like, 6.5 or something. All right. Erica? So, I'm going to come in with a solid... I'm going to give it a 7.8. I like it. Huh? I give it a- Shut you your mouth. Serious. Shut up. Hush it. 
Um, I, I, I think it's an, I think it does a very good job of, of continuing the story. I know that there are some, some little quips about it that don't necessarily line up, but I don't think it does it any harm. Um, as far as, you know, laying the platform for, for further movies to come, I think it did a great job at that. And I, I think that it flows well. I mean, it's not like you, like Dylan was saying before, like you have one, and if you took two out, it wouldn't flow with three, even though it doesn't necessarily one flow into two. It's like that that kind of middle ground that you need. And I, I think that as far as it goes, it was a, it was a good movie. There was there was a lot of a, the makeup was awesome. Um, the characters were great. I mean, there's really not much that I didn't really like about it. I mean, I it's, it's giving you a little bit more of that that snappy, witty uh, Freddy as it as it progresses, and I, I like that. So I think I think that that's that's pretty fair. Okay, Steven? I think I'm gonna go with a seven point five on this one. Uh, I do thoroughly enjoy this movie. I have always have a fun time watching it. The characters are great. Uh, what is it? Jesse's character, Mark Patton, was amazing, and I'm happy they went with him as compared to the other bigger names. Grady was fun, too, and Jesse's dad is a fucking catch. Fucking hilarious, man. Um, oh, he's an ass. <laughs> I fucking love him. Jesse! Jesse! But, uh, yeah, I think if this movie just wasn't rushed, uh, I think the overall product would have been definitely a lot better because like definitely during the second half it, it's blatantly obvious it's been rushed but the first half was so strong because freddie was actually pretty terrifying with the, his look and everything and i loved it so if they would have just taken a little more time to you know smooth things out i think this would have been a serious hit but like i said it, i still love it uh 7.5 what one's your favorite my favorite damn i lo- i really lowballed it no, you're, no good. you're good. Yeah, you're good. You're good. <laughs> uh, my favorite's the first one, but my favorite as far as the sequels would probably be three. Yeah, three's mine as far as sequels go. Three's my favorite. I think maybe my problem was yeah, I watched yeah. the sequel like around noon today. <laughs> like I watched, I watched the, I went or not, not the sequel, the first one. Yeah. I went and got the first one, watched it. Like, oh, I need some kind of comparison reference because I don't remember the other ones. And this is the one that my kids have been playing for ever. <laughs> I watched the first one. I was like, "Oh shit!" I kind of I, li- I like the filmography, and the the first one seemed a lot darker. Mm-hmm. The second one, to me, seems just kind of fun. Yeah, like, I, I I like it. I, I I definitely like it. It's kind of fun. I love the uh, "You're the Body, I'm the Brain." That's that's my favorite scene in the Baby Dolls. I'm going to come in, I'll, I'll agree with you guys, I'd, I'd give it like a 7.5, uh, but I'm, as far as sequels go, it, it was great. I would love to see this movie if they hadn't rushed it, where, be, because to me and what we've talked about, all our complaints with this movie really came from what the cast and crew had said, they didn't have time to really cut out, or like they questioned it but they didn't have time to cut it or change it because of their time constraints. I would like to have seen it where they had more time to work on it and the things that we had complaints with that they also had complaints with, they had time to say, no, let's try something else for this and go with a more classic Freddy approach because 
the first half of this movie, you can see that it, they were trying to be serious and it was going to be a fucking scary movie. And then where it starts to get rushed and jumbled and kind of all over the place, it, it loses a lot. Um, I think that if they would have taken more time on this movie, it could have easily been on par with the first one, but unfortunately, we will never see what could have been if they didn't rush it. So, that being said, the average rating for this movie is a 7.3. No, I didn't include your two, Sierra. I think that that's fair for this movie. It's fair. <laughs> I give it my seal of approval. Thanks for asking, Steven. <laughs> Chris, where can people find you? Oh, um, Facebook, just uh, Chris Holford, K-R-I-S, space, Holford, H-A-L-L-F-O-R-D, or on Instagram, at Chris, K-R-I-S, underscore, H-A-L-L-F-O-R-D underscore art. Awesome. And be sure to go check that out because Chris does some great work. So if you're looking to decorate your house with some nice horror paintings. Yeah. (laughs) I'm down. Down. I'm going to go peep those actually in a minute. (laughs) Uh, If you want to find us, you can find us on Instagram or Facebook at Horror Haven Podcast or on Twitter at Horror underscore Haven. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, however you're listening to this, and leave us a rating or a review, because we like to hear what you guys have to say. Talk to hey, us, please. Jesse's dad's a dick. <laughs> Josh, hashtag of the night, Jesse's dad's a dick. <laughs> Alright, have a good night. <laughs> have a good night, everyone. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Oh. wait. Tune in next week. We are going to be covering... Hatchet and Hatchet 2. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be on that episode. Don't you threaten us. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited because I haven't checked those out. I've been really wanting to check those movies out. I've heard nothing but great things that they're fun movies. So I, I'm excited to check them out. Tune in next week for the return of Sierra. <laughs> All right. Have a good night. Good night. Later.